Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. We're going to be taking a look at the parable of the sower this morning. So turn with me, if you will, to the Gospel according to St. Matthew. And we'll take a look at the 13th chapter. Because it is here where Yahshua teaches this specific parable. But he also teaches it in Mark, Luke, and the Gospel of Thomas. And we're going to get to all of those transliterations this particular weekend. But nonetheless, remember that this parable of the sower is considered by Yahshua to be the parable by which all other parables are understood. Therefore, it is extremely imperative that you pay close attention. Because what we learn within this particular parable can be used when we decipher the other parables. So, without further ado, in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. So understand where it is that Yahshua is preaching this. Number one, he is preaching to the multitudes. And he is preaching from a ship, correct? Verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And so it stands. This is the beginning of the parable of the sower. And he says, A sower went forth to sow. Nothing odd about that, right? Because after all, that's what a sower will do. Remember that Yahshua taught, As a man sows, so shall he reap. So bear that in mind when we're dealing with this particular sower. A sower went forth to sow. Verse 4. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. 
Now that, if you will, is the entirety of the parable of the sower, at least according to the Gospel of St. Matthew. And there's several things I want to point out. In this parable, just like every other parable that we've covered this year, or was spoken by Yahshua, notice the usage is into the earth, not onto the earth. Just like in the parable of the vineyard, the parable of the tares and the wheat, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. Towards the end of Yahshua's parable in verse 8, he says, Others fell into good ground, not onto, into. Why is this important? Because there is a difference between those who fell from heaven onto earth, or were cast onto the earth, and those who were directly sown by the sower, who in this parable is obviously Yahweh God, into the earth. What is the difference? Onto means you're a stranger, vagabond. Into means you were placed here specifically for a reason. Now, if Yahshua taught that as a man sows, so shall he reap, based on what we covered already in Matthew chapter 13 this morning, was it happenstance? Was it coincidence that these particular seeds fell where they did? Or was it part of the divine providence of Yahweh God? His perfect will. I suggest to you it was the latter. The reason I'm spending time here is because Judeo-Christians, if they were to teach this, will openly admit that Yahweh God is the certain sower in this, but act as if he is not in control of all things. Meaning that when he casts his seed to and fro, well, those ones that fell among thorns, and those that were scorched by the sun, well, that was beyond God's control. But was it? Remember, Yahweh God is the sower in this analogy. And there's several things I want to point out to you about parables. And this seems to be like a perfect time to do as such. Number one, understand that parable, as a word, is taken from the Greek parabole. Parabole in the Greek. And it means, straightforwardly, a comparison, a figure, a proverb or an illustration, according to Dr. Strong. So, when you hear me say that these are allegories, indeed they are. But they were allegories spoken for the benefit of you and I, and not the Pharisees, to confuse them. More on that later. Number two, another fact you should know about parables, is that they illustrate truth, and they make it clear through comparisons with something that is already familiar. So, when Yahshua is preaching to this great multitude, he's preaching on a certain sower. Something they would know because, after all, the descendants of Adam were to be farmers, correct? When he preaches to the Pharisees, the scribes and the high priests, he will come in and he will use the example of the Good Samaritan, for example. The path between Jericho and Jerusalem. So the second point on parables is that they illustrate the truth by comparing them to something familiar and similar. Number three is they impart instructions and rebuke without causing offense. Yahshua spoke in this manner so that those who were condemned by them 
his parables, couldn't come out and say, well, Yahshua condemned me. Rather, it was an allegory meant to prick them at their heart. But the most important part of that is the imparting of instructions. And that is why I am spending so much time on the parables of Yahshua. Yahshua would give these parables and then he would say, go and do thou likewise, or I say unto you, Meaning, the closest we can come to Yahshua adding to or fulfilling the law that he came to fulfill are the parables for our benefit. And you're going to see this particular Sunday morning, this is no different. Number four is they create interest and hunger for further information. That's what they're supposed to do. So when Yahshua says a certain man, it is supposed to pique your interest and say, well... That certain man in this allegory or parable is Yahshua himself, the Son of Man. Let me pay close attention. Number five is the stories are always true, and the points illustrated cannot be considered false. Even if they are a fictional account, like Yahshua's parable of the Good Samaritan, the truth that it conveys is 100% real. And that's the danger of it, is it not? Notice that as many times as men and women came to Yahshua to tempt him, they would have been better keeping their mouth shut. When the scribe comes to Yahshua in the parable of the Good Samaritan and says, Who is my neighbor? He would have been better off. Because Yahshua says, Go and do thou likewise. He one-ups the law. He makes it more strict on those particular individuals. Why? Because the law is codified. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. And when you come in and say, who is my neighbor? Or who is it that should be killed or not? You're already seeking justifications. When Yahshua taught you to esteem every man better than yourself. Even if it is a prostitute or a publican. So remember that. The stories are always true. Number six is the historical background and the circumstances or occasion must be understood. Meaning that when we preach these parables, we have to put them in the context of Yahshua's time, but also our modern day time. And what can we learn from this parable of the sower so far? Well, we know Yahweh God is in control of all things. We know Yahweh is that certain sower. And when he sowed, the seeds fell by the wayside, and fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places. Some fell on thorns. And some fell on good ground. But either way, Yahweh God foreknew. So, very important. Because a man does reap what he sows. This was not Yahweh God half-heartedly throwing out seeds saying, gee, I wonder where they're going to land. Right? Another point about parables or paraboles in the Greek is that their words and details must be defined literally. Not spiritually. Literally first. And do you understand this concept? The literal teaching of Yahshua in this particular parable is that God is in control of all things. And that certain particular seeds, proverbial seeds, men and women, correct, will fall here or there. So we can deduct logically from St. Matthew chapter 13 and Yahshua's parable of the sower that Yahweh God chose some to be vessels of honor, and some to be vessels of dishonor. 
This concept of free will, I have no idea how it has infiltrated Christian identity. But nowhere in the Bible are you going to read this concept of free will. If Yahweh God is the sower in this allegory, and he cast his seed out. Those that fell on the stony ground were not called of Yahweh God, right? They didn't have free will, did they? To land where they did. Yahweh God threw them where they were, being that sower. Remember the parable of the tares and the wheat? In that particular parable, Yahshua said an enemy hath done this, planted this tear within the world. When the seed was cast into it, not onto it. But not so in this parable of the sower. There is no devil to be spoken of other than the dirty birds and the fowl of the air. This is Yahweh God casting his seed into the earth. And some are saints. Some will abide for a season and wither back and not be with you anymore. And my how true that is. And others will never take root at all. Do you understand what Yahshua is teaching through this parable? And that is, no amount of forcing the Bible down somebody's throat is going to open their eyes to an allegory. That's why it's an allegory. If you don't take it literal, in addition to spiritual, but take it only spiritually, you're going to miss the entire point of his parabolos. Number nine is the point illustrated in Yahshua's parables are always stated with the parable, or it's clear by the occasion. Perhaps you've noticed this. Yahshua will give these parables, and the masses, for the most part, think it's a great story, or it's a moral tale. They never really truly understand the rebuke until the end. Then they undoubtedly know that they have been rebuked. And finally... Another fact about a parable that I feel you should know is that the principles of interpretation are given by Jesus himself. Man can come in and tell you, hey, this certain man is me. But if Yahshua says the certain man is Yahweh God, in his explanation, you can't go beyond that. Therefore, you cannot spiritualize away a parable, even though they are an allegory. The truths contained within them are what one-upped or fulfilled the law. When Yahshua hung on the cross and said it was finished, what do you think he meant? Do you think he meant that the moralistic law of God was done away with, or that he, through his teaching of the parables, added to it and completed it? Well, perhaps that's a study for another day. Notice at the very end, he says, He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Meaning not everybody's going to hear this. And even though Yahshua will speak in parables... To confound the masses, it's in the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the duty of saints to seek it out. What's the difference between a saint and a Pharisee? The Pharisee won't seek it out. The Pharisee didn't recognize God as he stood before them, but the saint will seek it out. So, what's the answer for this? Well, why we're here in St. Matthew chapter 13, continue reading in verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou in parables? Question, why? Yahshua, do you speak to the masses, the multitudes, everybody in the land of Judea, in parables? Verse 11, Yahshua answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. Stopping right there. We just read the parable of the sower, did we not? Christ, in his explanation of why he speaks in parables, says it is given unto you. The Zadok, 
the saints, the Israelites, those that are meek and those that are humble. But unto them, it is not given. Therefore, we can logically deduct that fell onto good ground, in addition to those that fell among thorns, stony places, and the wayside, were chosen of God to be dishonorable or honorable. Yahweh God was not fooled. That's my point. He didn't cast his seed out and say, well, I had such plans for that one. You understand the analogy. Yahweh God was one step ahead in this parable. Those seeds that fell among thorns, Yahweh God knew they would be choked out. And those seeds that fell among stony places, Yahweh knew that they would have no depthness of earth. They would have no foundation. They would not grow roots. Yeshua's answer in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 13 is, It is given unto you to know the mysteries, but unto them, the masses, the Pharisees, it is not given. Why? Verse 12. For whoso hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that that he hath. Therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. Now Yahshua continues after this point, explaining that one of the other reasons he spoke in parables was the fulfillment of a prophecy spoken by Isaiah. And rest assured, I have covered that in sermons past. But so far, God is in control of all things. This should not be a mystery to you. So before we turn to Mark's take on this same parable of the sower, I want to read to you a quote from the book of First Clement. That is the first epistle of Clement. This is found in chapter 24, verse 5. Pay close attention. Quote, The sower goeth forth and casteth into the earth each of the seeds, and these, falling into the earth, dry and bare decay. Then out of their decay, the mightiness of the master's providence raises them up. And from being one, they increase manifold and bear fruit. End quote. Where's that found? In the first epistle of Clement, chapter 24, verse 5. And I wanted to interject that right here because there's going to be men and women who come in and say, you know what, that's not canonized. Oh, indeed, we've already covered it in the canonized text. Because, after all, we're going to turn here to Mark and we're going to turn to Luke next. But I wanted to insert that so that you understand. Here's a fourth witness to what we're saying. Notice the sower goes forth and casts into the earth each of the seeds. In Clement, he doesn't have to break it down and say, this one fell on stony soil. This one didn't put forth roots. This one was scorched by the sun and withered back. In Clement, we are told, just like I am trying to relay to you this particular morning, Yahweh, God, cast those seeds where he wanted them. Therefore, men and women are going to come in and say, every tree that my heavenly Father did not plant shall be rooted up. Indeed, that's true. Those are the tares. Yahshua explained that. An enemy hath done this, correct? That was the devil and the devil's children. But what about this parable of the sower? The parable by which every other parable is understood. Number one, understand, the sower is Yahweh God. Number two, the seed is sperma, once again in the Greek. There are four classes of seed cast upon the earth. Let's analyze them very quickly from Matthew here. One, 
those that fell by the wayside. Two, those that fell upon stony places. Three, those that fell among thorns. And ultimately, four, those that fell among good ground. Now, did those that fell by the wayside, were they earmarked for the good ground and Yahweh got messed up? No. Rather, here in Clement, the sower goes forth and casts into the earth each of the seeds, all four of them at once, into the earth. You understand the analogy, not onto it. At the very beginning of Job, Satan comes to Yahweh God, and God says, where have you been? And he says, walking to and fro upon the face of the earth, going to and fro on it, not into it. Big difference. When Yahweh God hates those that sow discord... What will they reap? But discord as well. Perhaps that's a study for another day. That sower goes forth and he casts every class of seed. All four. And these, all four classes falling into the earth, dry and bare decay. Exactly what I tried to portray in the parable of the tares and the wheat. Life is within the seed, correct? A seed can be stored on a shelf for three or four years and planted. And maybe they lose some of their vigor. Maybe they lose some of their germination. But when it's all said and done, life is within the seed itself. And heritage of Yahweh God is what? The opening of a womb. The seed of man. The seed of Adam. Yahweh God knew which particular seed would fall where. And Clement brings that forth. They fall into, not onto, into the earth. Now, by all intents and purposes, falling into the earth, every one of them should grow, right? But not so. Why? Because some fell among thorns. Some did not get adequate light. And others fell upon good soil. What is good soil but a good foundation? But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. What can we learn from that? That in order to bring forth fruit, a tree needs to have a good foundation. Correct? Yeshua taught no different. He said that a tree can be pitched and dunged and possibly bring forth fruit the next year. But the point is, you can only bring forth fruits or works if you have a good foundation. If you don't, you're going to miss that. So, while that sower goes forth and casts into the earth each of the seeds... Those seeds fall into the earth and dry and bear decay. Then, pay close attention to First Clement chapter 24. Then out of their decay, the mightiness of their master's providence raises them up. Stuffing right there. Yahshua taught that a grain of wheat is just a grain of wheat. But if it falls into the earth and will die, it can bring forth an hundredfold. Death is not to be feared, dear kinsfolk. In this case, what is to be feared in the parable of the sower is not having good foundation. Those seeds that fell among the thorny places were choked out. Those seeds that did not get adequate sun, they were withered because the sun, representative of Yahshua, caused them to wither away. A polite way of saying when the truth came, they turned from it. But not only that, final part of First Clement, chapter 24, verse 5. And from being one, they increase manifold and bear fruit. Once again, what I just proved to you. A seed must fall into good ground, good soil, a good foundation. That rock 
that we base our foundation upon is Yahshua. Big difference between the rock, that is Christ, and a stony place. So, once again, the statement according to First Clement and his version of the parable of the sower, as taught by Yahshua, is, The sower goes forth and casts into the earth each of the seeds, and these falling into the earth dry and bare decay, then out of their decay the mightiness of the Master's providence raises them up, and from being one they increase manifold and bear fruit. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts, or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Raises them up, and from being one, they increase manifold and bear fruit. Do you understand why? Because they, being one, were able to reap what they sowed. Yahweh God is not a liar. He will reap what he sows. And that is why, rest assured, I'm going to get to Luke chapter 19, verse 27. And the parable of the unjust steward. And these clowns that want to quote it and say, Yahshua wants you to kill everybody who thinks differently than you. Really? Is that what Yahshua taught in his parable of the publican and the sinner? <laughs> I think not. So, without further ado, please turn with me to the Gospel according to the youthful Mark. Right at the very beginning of St. Mark, chapter 4, He began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. So, just as we learn from Matthew's Gospel, the 13th chapter, Yahshua is sitting on a boat, and he is preaching to the masses, the residents of Judea. There would be Pharisees, there would be Sadducees, there would be scribes, and there would be Samaritans and Edomites as well. Correct? Therefore, Yahshua explains in Matthew chapter 13, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of Yahweh God, but unto them it is not. Do you see the difference? And why we must pattern our own behavior after Yahshua. Yeshua didn't say he was a Pharisee. Oh, these people can't hear. Rather, he taught in such a way that those that were not called of Yahweh God, for example, those seeds that fell upon shallow earth, those seeds that fell upon stony ground, would not hear. Understand, thus Yahweh is in control of every seed that he cast upon the earth. Thus, St. Mark begins the same exact way Matthew does. 
he began to teach in a boat to the whole multitude and the residents of Judea. Verse 2, here in Mark chapter 4. And he taught them things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. So, this is the fourth parable that is given in the gospel according to Mark. And principal grains were wheat and barley, and fields were generally marked by boundary lines. The point is, is Yahshua is preaching to the multitude, the residents in the land of Judea. Therefore, this would be familiar to them. He says, there went out a sower to sow. And it is quite eye-opening to me how this many thousands of years later, this still holds common sense, does it not? You understand when a sower goes out to sow, right? It's normal behavior. It's probably what you do every spring and what we here in Brooks are getting ready to do here in about a month's time. Get ready to put out our crops. Verse 4. And it came to pass as he sowed. Some, somewhat, some seed fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, Let him who hath ears hear. Almost verbatim. And this is a well-known parable. Again, this is the parable by which all other parables are understood. By that, we need to understand, coming out the gate, that Yahweh, number one, is in control of all things. These are His seed. None of these seeds are the enemy seed. So, none of these seeds are going to be rooted up. Rather, but like evil, and like the habitually sinful, they will burn themselves out from within. Number two is this. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to Yahweh God. The earth is his footstool, correct? Therefore, when this certain sower, being Yahweh God, goes out and sows his sperma into the earth, there is a reason for that. Now, there are four classes once again. Let's look at them. The first class fell by the wayside. In this day and age, we still use this terminology, do we not? For somebody who sins and falls from grace, we say, well, that particular man or woman fell by the wayside. They were cast aside, they fell off. Meaning that they do not run the race anymore, as Paul commanded. Run the race with endurance until the end. Life is a game. And he who laughs last wins. While the entire world may rebuke you, don't shrink back. Pay attention. That first one fell by the wayside. Meaning, he was unplowed. He was unprepared. And he fell upon ground that had not been tilled or conditioned yet. Once again, the importance of the foundation. So that seed could not grow. And birds would just fly down, pick up the seed, because it's not its width under the soil the way it should be but rather laying right on top, eat it, and fly away. You understand the analogy? We must, first and foremost, have good soil. Number two are those that fell on stony ground. 
partially prepared ground. But the stones weren't taken out. And any farmer knows this. If you're going to till the soil, part of tilling or plowing the soil is pulling up sticks, roots, and rocks. Things that will hinder future growth from the seed that you sow in or on the ground, right? First class is the wayside. That fell upon unprepared ground. Second class are those that fell upon stony ground. That is half-ass prepared ground. And as a result, it only grew just a little bit. But when the sun itself came, the sun of righteousness, Yahshua, who comes in the glory and the light of his coming, the brightness of his coming, right? The sun, they wither back. This second class, we could say, are those who follow the traditions of men, but they don't have grounding. They listen to men who come in and say, you know what, you're not supposed to say Second Chronicles, you're supposed to say Two Chronicles. You're not supposed to say Zion, you're supposed to say Zion. They're self-justifying liars that will allow men and women to lie to them, rather than adapt their life to be on the good soil, the good ground. You understand the analogy? If they took root, they could have took the stones out themselves, but they didn't. They weathered back at the appearance of the Son, the Son of God. Third class is what? Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up. This also was partially prepared ground, because the thorns weren't taken out. And that is why they grew the next year. If you have a plot of land, and you brought forth nothing but thorns and thistles the year before, you would likely scorch that earth, till it under, but you would most assuredly pull up all the roots, the stumps, and the seeds that would bring forth thorns, right? This also is partially prepared, and all of these classes are atomites, right? I can prove that if you turn with me very quickly to the curse that was laid upon Adam. What did Yahweh God tell Adam in Genesis chapter 3? The curse upon the man is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, Unto Adam he said, Because you hearkened unto the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. Thus we could say the third class, those that fell among the thorns, are Adamites. Once again, with a partially prepared ground. So when those thorns, like the tares, grew up, they choked it out. Remember in the parable of the tares and the wheat? The tares shoot their heads up above the wheat. But fortunately, that is at the time of the harvest. If we do not weed our garden, proverbially or literally, the weeds will take over our garden and they will block the light out for the germinating seeds underneath. Any farmer would know that. This is why they lay down black felt if they want to completely kill the earth and have nothing grow underneath it. But finally, there is the final class here in St. Mark chapter 4. The other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. So, what is the difference? The only kind of ground that could produce, but even then, some of it was butter than other parts. So it brought forth varying and increases. You understand this analogy? 
Just because we fall on good ground does not mean we all bleed red. It varies, just like soil does, which is why we turn the soil in an attempt to get the trace elements scattered throughout evenly. But this particular seed fell on good ground that had trace elements of potash. This seed fell upon good ground that had trace elements of nitrogen. And that is why one seed brings forth 60, some 30-fold, some in 100. What is the difference? Notice, all three classes before bring forth no fruit, but only the fourth class, those that fall upon good ground, do. And that fourth class bring forth fruit of three varying degrees, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. What can we learn? Those seeds that were cast out by Yahshua, that he knew would not grow, are more than made up for by those that fell upon good ground. Varying degrees, but still very important. And so, we're going to take a look one more time at the Gospel according to Luke. And we're going to look at how Luke transcribes the same exact parable of the sower. In the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning in chapter 8, Verse 4, Yahshua says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And others fell upon good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, Let him who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So I ask you, are you able to hear? Because so far we have covered this in Matthew, Mark, now Luke, and the non-canonized epistle of Clement. And all of them say the exact same thing. He spoke by a parable so the masses would not understand, but that the remnant would. Three classes of people here according to St. Luke. The wayside, upon a rock, the thorns. Those are negative. But the fourth class is positive. Those that fell on good ground. Only differences in verse 6 here in St. Luke chapter 8, where he says some fell upon a rock. Not the rock but just a rock in general. So, the point of all of this is, we must have a good foundation. We must, number one, recognize that Yahweh God is the sower, which means, by logical deduction, that we must acknowledge that we are His seed. Number two is, we must be furnished within good ground. Do not listen to these false prophets who come in and attempt to take the word of God from you. That is what these three classes had. The sower went out to sow. The first fell by the wayside. It was trod down and the birds of the air came and ate that seed. So they had no fruits. They weren't able to bring forth works because they weren't laid within the proper foundation or rock, which is Christ. The second fell upon a rock. Petros, perhaps, you could say that's a rock, but rather would listen to Peter than Jesus. Well, they follow the traditions of men. 
Or, just the curse of Yahweh God laid out against Adam and the curse on the earth. But either way you look at it, they will wither away because they're not being watered. Then, that other class that fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up and they choked it out. I want to stop right here because there's two ways a thorn can choke out a seed that's trying to grow beneath it. One through belittlement, coming in and saying, can you believe Pastor Visser believes that Ruth is a Moabitess? Yeah, the Bible says so. But yet they do that because they want to hold somebody in guilt and force them through guilt to turn from what is transcribed in the Bible. The Bible, even with its errors, hear me, Durkin folk, even with the errors of the King James Version, and they are a plenty, trump any words of man. Man is not more powerful than the Word of God. And it shouldn't take me to explain that. If the Bible says Ruth is a Moabitess, you'd be better off banking your salvation on that than the words of a man who's going to come in and tell you something that is transcribed within the Word of God doesn't mean what it means. Therefore, you're choked out! Do you understand the difference? They sow discord. Therefore, they reap discord. And their only goal, that is the Pharisee, is to choke you out. Yeshua told the Pharisees that they're not entering into the kingdom. Therefore, they do all they can to suffer others to not enter in as well. Do you believe them? Because I tell you, they still exist today. They come in and they want you to believe something in the Bible that's not there or something that isn't in the Bible as if it is there. No different than a Judeo-Christian going under the guise of Christian identity. We are no different than those that say we bleed red than those who come in and quote John chapter 19 verse 27 over and over and over. Never understanding that Yahweh God's not going to reap what he did not sow, will he? Therefore, this parable of the sower being the parable by which all others are understood tells you that when an idiot comes in and tells you to kill everyone who thinks differently than you, when a mark was placed upon Cain and Yahshua himself even told the Jews in John chapter 8, if they do well, it shall be good for them, is a liar, a false prophet, and should be marked. Let him who have ears hear. They do not hear. They are blind leaders of the blind. Therefore, my advice is stay within the parables. They unlock each other. When Yahshua says a certain man is Yahweh God, that means that every single parable, the certain man is usually Yahweh God. Unless he is defined as, oh, I don't know, like in Luke chapter 19, unjust, who reaps where he doesn't sow. Do you understand this point? Everything that a sinful man does, he will bring upon his own head. But the two classes of seed, those that enter in and those who do not, are chosen of Yahweh God. Yeshua said, many are called, few are chosen. Every one of those three classes, the wayside, the rock, the thorns, were called. But the chosen are those that fell on good ground. Obviously, because Yahweh God chose them to fall upon good ground. And so, the parable of the sower does not really need much explanation, does it? It's very common sense teaching. What he's saying is that we need a good foundation or you're never going to grow. Or you'll grow a little bit and wither back, but you're not going to run the race. Only those sperma, sons and daughters of Yahweh God that land on the good foundation, that acknowledge Yahshua, 
Why am I saying that? Because almost every parable that Yahshua spoke was in reference to the Pharisees and a rebuke to them. Because the Pharisees would come in like those do in CI today, many of us, and say, hey, I follow the law, and not even recognize the lawgiver, who was Yahshua. And Yahshua would rebuke them. That is the point. Who is he who sowed the seed in the parable of the tares and the wheat? Son of man. Yahweh God himself. Yahshua. And so, this parable appears one more place. And that is the gospel according to St. Thomas. And this year, 2016, I've really been focusing on getting Thomas covered because even though I covered it several years ago, there is so much that can be taught from the gospel according to Thomas. So, in his ninth statement, Thomas's ninth statement, a polite way of saying the ninth chapter, Jesus said in the gospel according to Thomas, which is considered apocryphal, non-canonized, Look, there was a man who came out to sow seed. He filled his hand with seed and threw it about. Some fell onto the road and birds ate it. Some fell onto rocks and could not root and produce no grain. Some fell into patches of thorny weeds that kept it and hindered it from growing. And the grubs ate it. Some seed fell upon good soil and grew and produced good grain. It was 60 units per measure, and 120 units per measure. Now, unlike the other three canonized Gospels, at the end of Statement 9, Yahshua does not say, let him who has eyes see and ears hear, but rather, he says, I have thrown fire on the world. Look, I watch until it blazes. Fire, a purifying element. What happens when a virgin forest catches fire and burns to the ground? Well, in the seasons to come, it will bring forth more fruit and grow better. This is the purging element of Yahweh God and why we return. And those sinners, if you will, those three classes that could not abide and are into that proverbial lake of fire. The waters which you saw are people, correct? The Israelites. So, we dealt with the parable of the sower. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Thomas, and Clement, it is pretty much identical with a few variations. That alone is a miracle in and of itself. That these five books being written years, if not 20, 30 years apart, and having been written over 2,000 years ago, still to this day, today, now, are almost identical in every regard. What we should take from this particular Sunday morning study on the parable of the sower is this. We cannot be placed in partially prepared soil, but we must have a good foundation. And if we are in a good foundation... And if we do recognize the Son of Man as Yahweh God, then we truly will be accepted. But that will not lift you up and say, thank God I'm better than this particular person, will it? Rather, it is a confirmation to you, A, that you are the seed of God, His offspring, 
his progeny and not a tear. And B, that you are chosen of Yahweh God, chosen to fall upon the good ground. And finally, C, that Yahshua is he who will return at the time of the harvest. But notice, no harvest to be spoken of here. These seeds either did not grow and were consumed by the devil or the dirty bird or the false prophet, or they fell upon partially prepared soil and only sprung up and abided for a short season and withered back. But all of those seed that fell upon the good ground bring forth varying levels of fruits and or works. Yahweh works only through them. Thus it stands. The parable of the sower was Yahshua's polite way of rebuking the Pharisees and those that clung to the traditions of men over the incarnated word of God himself and also spoken for the edification and the upbraiding of you and I. Even in his time, when he spoke to the multitudes, there were men and women there who understood this parable of the sower. They understood Yahshua was that certain man who cast his seed into the earth, not onto it. And therefore, each and every one of us are bound into the earth to be a governor and a tiller thereof. And so, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, wishing you and your entire family great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website, or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.